I'm TL, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, I believe. But our belief has implications on the way we live our life the rest of the week. We explore those implications together right here on Outside the Walls. This week has been a little bit of a whirlwind for me. Uh, everything was thrown off because the beginning of the week was different. I uh, On Monday and Tuesday, I spent probably between those two days on a plane, maybe 12 or 13 hours. Not all of those in the air, but, uh, you know, there's the taxiing and the everything else, the, the frustration of, of waiting stuck in this little metal container all too tightly crammed into everyone else. But there was joy in it nonetheless. Had the opportunity this week to fly out to Zanesville, Ohio, which is the home of the Coming Home Network. Uh, they were helpful in my own transition into the faith, as I uh, as I was trying to figure out what do I do now that I'm becoming Catholic, because my whole job, the, everything that I did to make money, my whole career path, was in Protestant ministry, in church work, and so there's this real. Uh, conundrum, because it's not just about now coming to an understanding of the faith and saying, yes, I believe this, I'm going to go through RCIA, and I'm going to be in. There's this larger problem of, okay, when I do this, everything I have ordered my life towards, every all of my training, all of my references, all of my network, everything is in the Protestant world. How am I going to actually continue to survive once I make this move? And for many people, including myself, there was this understanding that I had to do it. I, I was convinced and I believed and I had come to know that the Catholic Church was the church that Jesus Christ founded and through which he gives us his sacraments. I, I was convinced that I, had, I couldn't stay where I was, but I needed help to make it over that last little bit. And so that's what the Coming Home Network does. It works Primarily, I mean, it'll work with anyone, but primarily for people who are uh, whose livelihood depends on them being not Catholic. They work with them to help them, give them a network of support, let them know they're not alone, and insofar as they're able to help uh, find work as well. Now, that didn't work out in my case. Uh, they were not able to find, there wasn't work available where I needed to be at that time, but they were there as, as a support nonetheless uh, just of encouragement and prayer and so much more. And uh, so I had the opportunity, uh, whoa, about five years ago, to go out and tell my story as best as I understood it at that time on a program that they produce called The Journey Home that airs on EWTN. Uh, you can still find that old episode on YouTube. But I had the great pleasure of being invited back out to uh, to share the continuing unfolding story because conversion is not a one-time event. It is an ongoing thing. And so they flew me out to sit down and have that conversation again with Marcus. But while I was there, I'm like, I'm not, how often do you get to be face-to-face -face with so many good people? Uh, we've had, of course, Marcus Grodi has been on the program here, uh, as has his son, John Mark, as has Matt Swain has been on a, a couple of times. Uh, and he also does some great work over there with the Coming Home Network. So we had the opportunities after I sat down with Marcus to sit down with John Mark, who is now the chief operating officer of the Coming Home Network, and talk to him a little bit about what the changes have been since he's come into that role 
And it's so interesting to see uh, the the ongoing transformation even of the organization because when Marcus started this, this was at a very personal place. He had walked through that difficulty and he wanted to extend it, uh, extend support to others who are facing the same thing. Now, his son has grown up in the church. Uh, he, Marcus came into the church when John Mark was five years old. And so he has a completely different perspective of it, but he's, his experience of this has been watching these stories unfold for the course of his whole life. And so he is very invested in continuing to provide support for those who are coming in. He has a very unique perspective, and I think that it forms very well uh, the direction of the organization. So we're going to talk with John Mark today a little bit about uh, the Coming Home Network, about his own experience and how that has shaped the way that he runs the organization. Something that I hear on a regular basis as a convert uh, from people who maybe marvel a little bit at my, uh, at my energy or my drive about the faith is uh, how much they appreciate converts because converts bring with them this different perspective that they, they say, well, you know, you, you chose this belief and you wrestled with this belief. And these were things that I always took for granted because I grew up in it. Uh, I, was a, I was a cradle and these things were handed on to me. And there's something to be said for that. Uh, but I want to I challenge that and maybe turn that on its head just a little bit. Because for each of us, there is that moment of decision, that, that moment of wrestling and fiat where we are presented with the faith and we have to decide whether we are going to merely carry on the externals of the faith or whether we're going to have an encounter with the person of Jesus Christ and we're going to take up our cross and follow him as a disciple. Uh, and so that, that means more than just going to Mass. It means more than just praying the rosary. It means more than popular piety and devotion. Uh, all, of, all of these things are good, but they have to flow out of this decision to follow, this, uh, this discipleship path. And so whoever you are, however long you've been in the church, you're called to be a convert. We're called continually to conversion day after day as uh, the Holy Spirit points out to us the areas in our life that need uh, to grow, to be broken and, and remade and re, uh, re-energized. And so I encourage you, um, become a convert today. Offer yourself to the Holy Spirit and say, help me to be a convert. Help me to to not take anything of the faith for granted, but to rejoice in all that's been given us by Christ through his church. We're talking today with John Mark Grodi, Chief Operating Officer of the Coming Home Network. It's going to be a fantastic conversation. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. There's much, much more to come right after this break. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on daily life. I'm your host, T.L. 
got a treat for you today as we are recording from the palatial studios of the Coming Home Network in Zanesville, Ohio, uh, which is a little bit further away from Columbus than you expect. But you get you get all kinds of, uh, first of all, it's a beautiful drive. That helps. Second of all, there's a, a large basket by the side of the road. That <laughs> That's kind of a local landmark. If you, uh, if you ever collected Longaburger baskets way back in the 90s, which my mother did, um, their headquarters was here, and it is shaped like a basket. Uh, they are no longer around, and yet their basket survived. Here it is. <laughs> you get to see it on the way. had a, a just a great pleasure of sitting down with Marcus Grodi today uh, to record an episode of The Journey Home, which will air on EWTN at some time in the future. Be watching our social media, and I'll be sure to point that out to you. Um, but, but you can't come all the way to Zanesville, Ohio, and just leave it there. Not, not, not when I have the opportunity to sit down with John Mark Grodi, who is the chief operating officer of the Coming Home Network, which is different and distinct from the Journey Home program on EWTN, although a lot of those streams converge uh, in one place where you're, you're dealing with a lot of the same people. Right. So, John Mark, thank you for taking the time to join us on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me again, TL. So you have a, a similar experience. For me, it was when I was growing up. Uh, I grew up, my father was uh, a clergy member and uh, fairly well known because he traveled around and, and did speaking engagements. And so anywhere that I went in the Methodist context, I would say, hi, I'm T.L. Putnam. And they're like, oh, Putnam, are you related to, and I can only imagine that with the last name Grodi, that, that you get that some. <laughs> yeah, here and there. Here and there. <laughs> And of course, you're involved still in in the apostolate, but also mm-hmm. just in the work of ministry uh, writ large. And so you interact with these people at conferences and so forth. And and tell me, first of all, when you were growing up, and of course your your dad came into the Catholic Church when you were five. Right. Uh, when you were growing up, did you kind of embrace that idea of I'm going to be involved in Dad's apostolate, or was it kind of the thing that you did not want to be? around and associated with, and you kind of got drugged by the Holy Spirit into. Sure. Well, there's just kind of two sides of that. On the one hand, um, you know, I look back on my life, and I really am I, 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 an example of the fruit of conversion. And so my parents, in their their desire to follow Christ, even if that meant becoming Catholic and to embrace all that, I really experienced all the fruits of that with none of the struggles of, of conversion. You know, I was just there to enjoy the fruits of becoming Catholic, being a new Catholic family, discovering the riches of being a member of the church, and all along the way, meeting so many others, hearing their stories, being, you know, just absorbing by being around the ministry and going to those conferences and those events. For the longest time, I did not see myself as being involved in the Coming Home Network, because growing up, I mostly, what I heard in the talks, what what was my focus, what kind of stood out to me were the apologetics. And for me, it was Catholicism or nothing. I did, I did have some struggles in my teen years, you know, a- asking some of the basic underlying questions about Christianity and my own faith life. But it was Catholicism or nothing. I, I'd seen too much, at least for, from my standpoint. Right. Um, so the apologetics between Catholic and why not, they were interesting to me, but not they, didn't, they weren't relevant to my particular uh, you know, faith interest. But as, I, as I, I went through my own adult conversion and got into college and got into ministry, one thing I began to recognize more and more looking back was precisely that the fruit of conversion. You know, that in all these people we talked to, what we were seeing are people who were working out this relationship with Christ. 
whatever that meant intellectually, whatever that meant practically for their life, following him all the way through. And, you know, we have the privilege at the Coming Home Network of meeting people at a crucial moment in their spiritual journey right? and being able to accompany them through that, pray with them through that. And so more and more, um, you know, my personal interest in the life of faith, in the commitment to Christ, into helping people along their, their journey of faith, I, I saw that more and more and recognized that that is this unique opportunity that the Coming Home Network has. Uh, people at this unique moment where the the Christian convictions that they have are are open to a new avenue of fulfillment in the church, in all the gifts that Christ wants to give them. We're able to be there and meet them um, and hear their stories and be blessed by the fruits that the Holy Spirit has worked out in their life and simply be you know a partner in the journey that they're experiencing. What I love, one of the many things that I love about the Coming Home Network is, <clears throat> like so many converts, when I first came into the church, there was this this uh, impetus and this drive toward apologetics because people are asking you right. questions. They want to know why you're doing this crazy thing, yeah. and you have to have an answer for that. And, and it's right and good that you have an answer for that. But I know so many people who stop there, yeah. and they just live in, in this almost combative uh, place where they have to defend their faith constantly. And, and for some of them, that's the context that they're in. Uh, but I've seen so many who who just stop at apologetics and they never really kind of relax into the faith because it's this sense of I have to stand up and defend the faith at all costs. And, and for me, I look at that and I appreciate the gifts of confirmation that gives us the grace to be able to defend the faith, but to also realize that the church got along just fine without my defense of her mm-hmm. for a very long time. And right. what I love about the Coming Home Network is that you and, and the various avenues, whether it be the forum or the, the new social media network uh, on the Mighty Networks that y'all have that's yeah. fantastic. It's apologetic, yes, mm-hmm. but it's more about accompaniment. Yeah. So you're you're actually, rather than defending the faith, you're unfolding the faith to someone. It's, it's right. like a journey to Emmaus uh, opportunity rather than let's sit down and talk about what we disagree about. Yeah. It's, hey, let's talk about what you and I share in common, and let's look at this in maybe a, a different way than you've experienced before. And so I love the emphasis on accompaniment as the primary, mm-hmm. and then apologetics being a, a useful tool in that process rather than the, the sole and central aspect yeah. of the ministry. Yeah, if that's, if that's you know, what, what, what someone's dealing with. You know, everybody's moment of grace at different stages of their conversion is, is different. For some people, yeah, the intellectual, the the working out of the doctrine is a big a big piece of the pie for them. Um, for many people, though, by by the time they come to us, they might have already worked through most of that. Right. And now it's on to all the rest of the stuff. It's all the baggage. It's it's working through presumptions and prejudices that they have. It's trying to think through their relationships and how best to take these practical steps. Right. Listening to God's grace, trying not to obviously being faithful, but trying not to make more of a mess than necessary, trying to keep those relationships, trying to love those people that maybe don't even understand what you're doing. That's all the rest of it. And so, yeah, so much of the work is just being there for people, forming those relationships, praying for people, listening to them, um, you know, and encouraging each other to not get discouraged, you know, when the going gets tough. How do I cross this bridge in across the Tiber without burning it, yeah. not so that I don't go back, but so that I still have a means and an opportunity mm-hmm. to, to share a relationship and a life with those who are on the other side who I left behind and I love. Yeah. We have the opportunity today, we're talking with John Mark Grodi, Chief Operating Officer of the, the Coming Home Network, mm-hmm. CH Network, 
Catholicchurch.org. If you know anyone who is uh, on the journey into the Catholic Church, they're not quite completely sure uh, how to go about it or, or how to experience it, and they need a community of people to walk with them, I strongly encourage you to, to send them this way. And if you have gone on that journey and you are uh, maybe in a more stable place and can offer assistance and a company, come join that, that Mighty Network. Uh, we'll, we'll put the link up on social media. Come and join it and, and walk that journey with people, give encouragement and, and hope to those who are in the midst of that journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about this social media. Sure. Um, this is kind of the Coming Home Network 2.0. <laughs> And it solves a lot of the problems uh, of anonymity that you had in the early days when it was all by letter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that the internet kind of took away as, you know, Facebook says, find f- find new friends. Hey, <laughs> you might know Marcus Grody. How do I, what? Oh, you're my pastor's friends with Marcus? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, you know, this new social media network, which I, I chalk up to the fact that you are Grody 2.0, right? <laughs> So you're bringing in new ideas and new possibilities and, and uh, maybe more plugged into that technology side of things. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about, uh, first of all, how did it come up? What was the need for sure. it? And, uh, and second of all, what, how is it playing out maybe uh, in positive ways that you didn't anticipate? Sure. Yeah, the networking side of the Coming Home Network, as we were talking about, has always been one of the, the cores of it. Again, there's, there's apologetics are a part of that. You know, uh, but the relationships and connecting with other people and being there, accompanying people, uh, is such an important part. So from the early days, that's taken many forms. You know, and so again, at the very beginning of the Coming Home Network, it was almost all, you know, letters being written back and forth with a yeah. few phone calls here and there. You know, and then email and then internet started to play a role in that. And you know, from the early two thousands, we had a strong discussion forum that, you know, for years we've had you know j- journeyers and converts. Uh, talking, asking questions, sharing experiences, praying for each other. And so now in the past few years, as we've explored more of the Internet, uh, what the, the opportunities that that, uh, that offered to the network, um, you know, we, we have a social media presence. We have Facebook and Twitter. Um, but increasingly, you know, those public mainstream social medias right. become ever less social. And more of um, of, a, of a time suck, and more of a they. In the end, do they really add uh, sociality to your life and an opportunity to connect and be with people? Or increasingly, at least for me and for many people, um, it it ends up kind of being an, an all encompassing uh, uh, thing that that takes up too much time. It's, it's just too cluttered. Too much is going on there. And so we we tried to figure out the best thing. Um, for a few years ago, we, we expanded our, our forum on our site to try to have more of a community experience. But we found this platform called Mighty Networks that you referenced. And um, we have, uh, we've kind of developed, I think, a nice middle ground between the technologies as they stand, where we have right. you know, a private network. We have about 1,000 uh, converts and journeyers on there now, um, where and there's some great discussions going on. People are asking, answering questions, and sharing their stories and sharing their experiences. Um, we also have uh, some some private groups uh, because we there we do want to have areas where again people like uh, in your uh, in, in your experience TL uh, particularly pastors if they're on that journey right. you know the guys that we're working with we want to we want to have a place where they can be uh, they can have much more private conversations about those tough places the journey but overall you know it's just a, another way that um, 
an easy way for converts and journeyers to connect with each other, to offer help to people on the journey. But even after becoming Catholic, you know, connecting to a community of people that understand what you've been through, and this, it doesn't end after after Easter. Right. You know, they, for years you're still figuring out what does it mean to be a Catholic? What does it mean to pursue holiness as a Catholic, and to embrace you know the riches that the Church offers me for this, um, and to, and as we know, especially you know in, in a in a, a year like this. Uh, the church has its own problems, and right. we, we don't come into it. We may read about this theoretically beautiful bride of Christ. We get into the church and realize, oh, it's full of sinners like me, <laughs> you know, and it's a messy place. And so we're trying to figure out, you know, we want to use our gifts well. We want to be good, faithful laymen, um, but it takes a lot of encouragement and a lot of patience and a lot of prayer. So it's a great community to be uh, to be connected to. Uh, so, again, chnetwork.org is, is our main website. Our community site is community.chnetwork.org. Great. We're talking today with John Mark Grodi. He's the chief executive, chief operating officer of the Coming Home Network here in Zanesville, Ohio. They are the producers of The Journey Home, which you can watch on EWTN. Soon you'll be able to see me on there. We'll put up a link to that when it comes. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. There's much more to this conversation right after the break as we continue talking with John Mark Grodi of the Coming Home Network. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Tia. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on daily life. I'm your host. Today we're talking with John Mark Grodi, Chief Operating Officer of the Coming Home Network, uh, chnetwork.org. They're the, the presence behind the Journey Home, which is a program on EWTN. You may be familiar with it. They talk to people who have come into the church, uh, a lot of times people who have been in ministry, uh, and have had their livelihood wrapped up in in being in Protestant ministry and finding their way through the grace of God into the Catholic Church and the struggles and the processes and the, the various multitudes of paths that people take into the church. Uh, you can find that by watching EWTN, which if you don't have cable, have no fear. There's an what, Apple TV app. Mm-hmm. There's a Roku app. You can watch it on online. And then, of course, all the Journey Home apps, well, a lot of them, if not all of them, are up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And you can watch them in their entirety there. Uh, and so I, I had the pleasure of being on the, the program four years ago. And uh, and again, here in a, about a month's time, a couple of months, uh, we'll be on again. Just really uh, glad to be out here and glad to talk to you again, John Mark. You too, Dale. So let's talk about, um, here you are. You are uh, convert-ish because you were five. You were not uh, baptized in the Catholic Church, but you, by by first communion, you were all in, right? You right. you went through the process as with the cognition that any young Catholic would go through, mm-hmm. right? So um, here you are working on a daily basis with people who are coming into the church as a convert, mm-hmm. and you're you're kind of picking up in a lot of ways the mantle that your your dad started. And he was going through with people uh, that he felt a very close kinship with because he took that journey. Right. Um, and yet, mm-hmm. I like to say that every practicing Catholic is a convert mm-hmm. because we all have to have that moment Agreed. of 
decision and say, if I'm going to practice this faith, I'm going to make the decision. I'm going to, of course, we receive the sacramental graces, and yet I still have to have this moment of all in. Mm -hmm. So talk to me, because God doesn't have grandchildren, as the statement goes. Uh, You can't can't get into heaven on the coattails of your parents. Uh, You can have their experience shape you and form you and give you the best opportunity to ease into your own faith life. But you still have to have your faith life. So talk to me about your conversion. Sure. Yeah, well, you know, as I said earlier, um, for me, I had seen enough of the apologetics that played into the, so many of these stories that the it was Catholicism or nothing mm-hmm. for me. Uh, it just it, that that was kind of the only open option. Nevertheless, as as a teenager discerning my vocation and looking ahead at my life, uh, and also wrestling, you know, wrestling with sin as a teenager, wrestling with discernment, um, I wrestled with I I want I like this Catholic stuff. I like this Christianity, mm-hmm. but I want to know. I want to know God. I want to be in relationship with Christ. And I, at times I thought I really was, but I went through periods of doubt in my teen years saying, is, what is this? And where is this going? And uh, of, uh, of course, unfortunately, you know, we, we look around and oftentimes we have both very good examples as well as very poor examples of what does it mean to have faith in Christ? Right. Because some people, when they describe that, they will say things like, well, faith means you just don't really know, but you just trust, you know, or you know, it means you'll find out when you die whether it was true or not. You know, and I heard things like that. And so I'd line up those kinds of descriptions of faith with the what seemed very real, personal, intimate relationships with God that I saw in other examples. And as a teenager, I, I wanted to know but, but which is true. Right. You know, it's possible that mom and dad, you know, might just be, you know, put it on a great show for us kids, whatever. But is, is this real? Is this something I can expect as a Christian? Is this something I can work and grow in? Or is it, as they say, is this faith just mean it's it's always going to perpetually just be, well, I, I, ho- I hope it's true, darn it. Uh, uh, and so uh, now the other, of course, the other part of this is that as a young person, you tend to think that you're the first person who ever really seriously <laughs> asked these questions. Right. You know, and, and thankfully, if you if you do seriously uh, inquire into the church and her great writers and her great doctors and the catechism, the answers are there. You just have to take her seriously enough to ask the questions. Uh, I think some of the big turning points for me were actually getting into the catechism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the current Catholic catechism is such a treasure of uh, describing the faith uh, and, and you know, referencing scripture and the, the early fathers of the church to really give context. You're reading about faith as man's response to God and having that fleshed out as faith is something that that God uh, gives to us. It, it's the relationship with himself that we respond to, but it really involves God doing something first. Right. And that was important because that meant that, okay, I have to seek God and something real to respond to. You know, to be, I don't, I just don't want to just know about God. I want to know God. And so at that time in my life, um, you know, that at least set up uh, the expectation of what I'm working towards here. God, I want to know you. And maybe I have to some degree in the past, and now I'm, I'm doubting, I'm wrestling with it a little bit, but that's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm working toward. That's what I returned, not that I ever left, but that's what I returned in a new way to the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist and adoration in the presence of what we believe to be Jesus Christ, saying, God, I want to have that kind of relationship with you, you know, and, and seeking that in silence and in prayer and in learning. And for some people, you know, that conversion happens all in one, uh, you know, 
magnificent moment. For me, it was just over time, really rediscovering, I think, a relationship that I already always had, but now in a more mature way that, yes, yes, this, this God has come to me first. I experience his presence in the Holy Eucharist through the sacraments. And in silence and in prayer, I find a deepening of that relationship. And furthermore, at, you know, in the course of my life, seeing that providence, seeing how when I cooperate with God, when I seek his help, isn't it crazy that how doesn't matter how often we pray and God helps us through a situation or we we ask for guidance and then you know we we find discernment we find a path mm-hmm. that always it seems to be the last thing on our mind every time a new challenge arises you know it's always the last thing that I remember to do is oh yeah I should pray about this because like every time that's I've ever done that I've I've found help yeah. um so it's been a long slow conversion for me um uh, but yeah that that re- wanting to, to seek that relationship and that the church really does propose that that's what we can expect. That's what we can seek in the sacraments. And that's what we're called to. So as, as a parent myself and as a convert myself, <clears throat> I'm very cognizant about the fact that I can give my children the practices and the externals, right? but I'm not capable as a, as a father of giving them that relationship. Um, I can try and, and put them in a place where they can experience it, it could be that all they get out of that is the externals. And so that's something that, that takes me to prayer. Um, What I want to know is both sides of this. You're Mm -hmm. the child of a convert and, and you have obviously come to a place where you could appropriate those and enter into that relationship. But what were those ways that your father gave you the externals that put you in a place where you were able to enter into this relationship? Mm -hmm. And now as a father, of of young children what are the practices in your home and and how are you til- uh, maybe coloring them or tilting them to help your children see the interior life and not just the external machinations you know I, i've thought about how uh, on the one hand when we read or we hear the stories of like you know some uh, staunch atheist becoming catholic or or a muslim making the big the big crossover to become a Christian or something like that. Sometimes those bigger stories, they catch our imagination and they're kind of exciting. But in some sense, the the conversion stories that we often hear at the Coming Home Network of a Protestant pastor like yourself becoming Catholic, in some sense, those are more relevant to our vocations and the, and the kinds of lives that we, the kinds of things that we face as most you know lay men and women in the Catholic Church because... It was the intellectual conviction. It was, you know, that I'm going to have to, if this is true, I'm going to have to make these practical changes in my life. I already love Christ. That's not the issue. But it's that if I'm going to take this so seriously, I'm even going to make these awkward, uh, inconvenient changes to, to, to do fully what he wants me to do. Oftentimes, there's many good things we can do as Christians. We're faced with many options in front of us. God, I can do this for you. I can do this for you. But what does he want most from me right now? What's the the next most right thing that he wants me to do? And sometimes we can distract ourselves by doing many, many good things, but not the one right thing, especially when that means a big change in our life, a challenge, a test of faith. And so seeing that in my father's life, you know, that I knew before and after becoming Catholic that he loved Jesus, but that he would take it seriously enough to, 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 potentially throw that ministry away, throw that comfort away for for what? Um, in his case, yes, he's been able to, to land in a great ministry in the church, and we're, we're so blessed as a family for that. That's not everybody's story. Right. 
in many cases, yeah, like with like in yours, at least there are times of much more difficulty and trial as we as you, you seek, Lord, where are you where are you drawing me to in in the church? So that example was really important to me, and I think being exposed to those other stories, uh, in terms of our our home life, um, I think probably the 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 best part was. Um, as new Catholics, and again, this I don't, this is, doesn't have to be unique to converts, but you know, seeing the Catholic faith as something that we were going to dig into, and we were going to learn, and we were going to embrace, um, really, that journey being a continual thing, and that that should be the case for any Catholic uh, marriage and family. That this is our common project that we're gonna we're gonna learn and appropriate and grow and make mistakes, and pick ourselves back up, and continue. And that's something I've seen in my, my father's life, in our conversations over the course of my life, that while we are all very imperfect people in my family, day-to-day, um, -day, month month-to-month, year-to-year, those conversations continue. The new ideas, the new learning, trying new things, trying to go a little deeper and more converted to Christ each day. I look at the, the patrimony of the Catholic Church and the riches of the Catholic Church, and and there's never a point that we should be able to say, I've got it. Right. I mean, to me, it's that story of uh, St. Thomas Aquinas at the end of his life, uh, not even finished yeah. with the Summa, coming in and having this mystical experience with the Eucharist and saying, everything that I've done so far is straw, mm -hmm. and not writing another word because he feels inadequate. I'm like, Thomas Aquinas felt inadequate <laughs> to express the, the mysteries of God. How is it that I can think that I've got it figured out? How I must be missing something because, uh, you know, I I love the Eucharist and I love Christ and yet I'm still distracted and masked by my children, mm -hmm. and trying to get them. That's Jesus up there, shush, right? Uh, how do I how do I first experience that that connection to Christ, and then how do I get my children to see that Mass is not just the place that Dad says shush, that's Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. So this real, realization that the conversion that we experience individually and as a family has to be has to be continual yeah we often talk about how catholicism embraces the many of the both ands that come up in, in theology and our understanding of god and, and of uh, of salvation history and of the nature of the human person and of the world and i think one of those is you touched on a few of them there in that the christian lives his life as in a story you know we're set in a great novel a great story and in any great story, there is, a, an, <laughs> there is a narrator, there's an author of that story who has perfect providence. And that's the case with us. We live in that tension of God's providence as well as our, our necessity to choose and to pursue. And we live in that tension. We don't try to resolve it. And so that always keeps us in a place of, of growth and conversion. We're talking today with John Mark Grodi. He's the chief operating officer of the Coming Home Network. Go find out more of their work over at chnetwork.org. There's more to my conversation with John Mark, available to all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Support the Show link, and see all the ways you can help us stay on the air and get extra content in the process. There's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. We had a great conversation today with John Mark Grodi. He's the Chief Operating Officer of the Coming Home Network and the son of Marcus Grodi, host of The Journey Home. I uh, had an opportunity to be out there earlier this week as uh, I was interviewed. My episode's going to air on April 1st, no joke. Uh, and on EWTN, uh, you can watch that by going to, uh, EWTN.com. If you've got cable, it's generally on your basic cable. Uh, you can also get it if you don't have cable, if you're a cable cutter like me, uh, you, if you have a Roku or an Amazon fire, or I have an Apple TV, there's an app for that. You just download that to your device and lo and behold, you can watch EWTN on April 1st and see my second conversation with, uh, with Marcus Grodi as we sit down and talk about the process of conversion, uh, which it's not a, an event. It's not like, Oh, you're a convert. It's well, I'm, I am converting. Yes. Continually. Uh, as St. Benedict talked about that quite a bit of, of we are always progressing onward, moving closer, uh, to really conformity with the likeness of Jesus Christ. If you missed any part of that conversation and you want to share it with your friends, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived right over at OutsideTheWalls.com. As soon as the show finishes airing, we'll put it up there for you to listen to again as many times as you like. And as always, there's more to my conversation with John Mark that's available to those who support the show through Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you can help ensure that we stay on the air and get extra content. We produce an extra segment each and every week with our guest digging a little bit deeper into the topic and taking a more personal tack to the subject. And that's available to all of those who support the show through Patreon. If you go over to OutsideTheWalls.com while you're taking a look at the archives, there's also a link right there on the right-hand side that says Support the Show Patreon. Click that Patreon link. Go and look through all of the options, all the different ways you can support us and it would be our pleasure and delight to have you a part of that community and giving you those gifts. Let's turn our attention now to our reading from Scripture and from church history. Today, our reading from Scripture comes from the book of Sirach. And I have to tell you, this is a book that I needed as a child. Uh, I, there's, I don't think been a time that I've come to the book of Sirach and, and not thought, wow, I missed out because this is not in the Protestant Bible. And there's so much richness that I could look back in times of my life and say, wow, I needed this then. So let's read together out of Sirach 2. My son, when you come to serve the Lord, stand in justice and fear. Prepare yourself for trials. Be sincere of heart and steadfast. Incline your ear and receive the word of understanding undisturbed in time of adversity. Wait on God with patience. Cling to him, forsake him not. Thus will you be wise in all your ways. Accept whatever befalls you. When sorrow, be steadfast. And in crushing misfortune, be patient. For in fire, gold and silver are tested, and worthy people in the crucible of humiliation." Trust God, and God will help you. Trust in him, and he will direct your way. Keep his fear and grow old therein. You who fear the Lord, wait for his mercy. 
Turn not away, lest you fall. You who fear the Lord, trust him, and your reward will not be lost. You who fear the Lord, hope for good things, for lasting joy and mercy. You who fear the Lord, love him, and your hearts will be enlightened. Study the generations long past and understand. Has anyone hoped in the Lord and been disappointed? Has anyone persevered in his commandments and been forsaken? Has anyone called upon him and been rebuffed? Compassionate and merciful is the Lord. He forgives sins. He saves in time of trouble. And he is a protector to all who seek him in truth. That reading comes from the book of Sirach, chapter 2. Our reading from church history today comes from a homily on Ecclesiastes by St. Gregory of Nyssa. We shall be blessed with clear vision if we keep our eyes fixed on Christ, for he, as Paul teaches, is our head, and there is in him no shadow of evil. St. Paul himself and all who have reached the same heights of sanctity had their eyes fixed on Christ. And so have all who live and move and have their being in him. As no darkness can be seen by anyone surrounded by light, so no trivialities can capture the attention of anyone who has his eyes on Christ. The man who keeps his eyes upon the head and origin of the whole universe has them on virtue in all its perfection. He has them on truth, on justice, on immortality, and on everything else that is good, for Christ is goodness itself. The wise man, then, turns his eyes toward the one who is his head, but the fool gropes in darkness. No one who puts his lamp under a bed instead of on a lampstand will receive any light from it. People are often considered blind and useless when they make the supreme good their aim and give themselves up to the contemplation of God. But Paul made a boast of this and proclaimed himself a fool for Christ's sake. The reason he said we are fools for Christ's sake was that his mind was free from all earthly preoccupations. It was as though he said, we are blind to the life here below because our eyes are raised toward the one who is our head. And so, without board or lodging, he traveled from place to place, destitute, naked, exhausted by hunger and thirst. When men saw him in captivity, flogged, shipwrecked, led about in chains, they could scarcely help thinking him a pitiable sight. Nevertheless, even while he suffered all this at the hands of men, he always looked toward the one who is his head. And he asked, What can separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Jesus? Can affliction or distress? Can persecution, hunger, nakedness, danger, or death? In other words, what can force me to take my eyes away from him who is my head and turn them toward things that are contemptible? He bids us follow his example. Seek the things that are above, he says, 
which is only another way of saying, keep your eyes on Christ. That reading comes from a homily on Ecclesiastes by St. Gregory of Nyssa. And that last little uh, phrase that he gave us of Paul, the seek those things that are above, that comes from the book of Colossians chapter 3. And uh, there's this beautiful, I'm just going to read a couple of verses out of that, just the, the four verses surrounding that little bit, where Paul exhorts us and says, if then you were raised with Christ, which of course we were, through baptism, seek then what is above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Think of what is above, not of what is on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, your life, appears, then you too will appear with him in glory. Depending on the translation, that comma in that first word moves and makes a huge difference. So we have, if then you were raised with Christ, seek what is above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, or, and this is, I think, my preferred comma, if then you were raised with Christ, seek what is above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Christ is with the Father, and it's now incumbent upon us to fix our eyes on him, the author and the perfecter of our faith, to fix our eyes on him and to move to where he is, to concern ourselves with eternity, to concern ourselves with, with Christ and being with him and unity with him, thinking of things that are above and not getting overly distressed and consumed by all of the things that vie for our attention down here. I think that's one of the things that people maybe notice when they see converts and they, that they say, as I mentioned earlier, oh gosh, I, I, I love converts. I, I wish I had your passion. Well, you can. You, the, you know, there's a very significant experience of dying with Christ when you have to sacrifice everything of your livelihood, uh, when you have to sacrifice uh, all of your networks and everything that you've known about the faith for the the sake of following Christ. It's uh, like the person who found the pearl and buried in a field and sold all that he had to buy that field, right? There's this idea of forsaking everything else for the sake of Christ. So what are the things that distract you? What are the things that you have found Uh, Maybe just take up too much of your brain power. Take some time today in prayer and ask Christ as you gaze on him. Ask Christ what it is that he wants you to do with those distractions. Set your mind on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us. Today's show is brought to you by Paige Keithley, who knew in her heart I was going to be a Catholic one of these days. And all of those who support the show through Patreon, join their numbers, go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.